Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. Y'all know we brought it to you last week with that pivot situation. And you heard, y'all heard, y'all came to the table, you pulled up a mm-hmm. chair, you poured mm-hmm. yourself a drink, maybe lit a, <laughs> lit a smoke, and you had some time with us. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you for receiving the vulnerability. Thank you for making space to contemplate um, the heaviness and the weightiness of the past two years and how we maybe have or have not addressed them. And this week um, is just as much fun. And we are celebrating here at Why Though because Ashley has a birthday this week. When this airs, she will have been one day past that birthday. And (laughs) Ashley, you are solidly in your 40s and you're loving it. And you you bring it to the table. You're like, I love this. This is a beautiful decade. And you are living it with such grit and grace and tenacity. When I think about you, I think about somebody who is not apologetic about her season and who she is and what she can bring to the table, what she can't bring to the table. And that's that. And let it be. And and you even said something to that effect last <laughs> week or in the weeks previous. So I thought it would be fun today, y'all, to talk about what we wish we would have known or what we might tell ourselves 20 years ago. Because yeah. we know we have listeners of all ages. We know we have a solid group of 30s, 40s, and early 50s. But we know there's some of you youngins listening as well. And I think we can all learn something from each other despite our age and despite our season. So as we think about what we might have told ourselves, I mean, there there can be some real saving messages <laughs> that yeah. I would have told myself right. um, that would have changed the game, that would have completely changed the trajectory of my life. And so as you hear us dialogue about this, I pray that you would think about what you might have told yourself or what you might even share um, the women to the women and men in your life in this season that could be a blessing that could even shortcut the distance to yeah. what it would look like to them to walk in the fullness of whoever they are. Yes. Because isn't that all we're here for, y'all? Mm-hmm. Trying to just walk in the fullness in our season and in our place. We got to do it. We got to do it, Ashley. We do. I love that. It's so good to stop and do these types of exercises to reflect and think about who was I and who am I and who am I becoming? I think this is such a unique time that we are living in, something Mm -hmm. that is going to be written in the history books. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. So it's fun to do this because it also makes me think about the future. Like when I'm 60, what do I want to look back and tell myself now? Like, is there any sort of foresight I also need to to think about? Mm. So I love this idea of just kind of reflecting back and talking to the person that you used to be. Um, I really love this. So good suggestion, Tiff. You're amazing. Mm. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) And I'm just going to shamelessly say, y'all Send you happy birthday vibes. Send you happy birthday prayers up for Mrs. Abercrombie. I know for all of us, she has been such a treasured, valued voice at the table of your heart. I mean, you listen in her, to her between your ears every week. <laughs> and for those of us who've been there since the beginning. Um, so I would just encourage you to send up a prayer for her and her family this week because she is walking into a new year and we are praying blessings upon blessings because this is a relationship and we're all in this together. Love it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go first on this. 
One of the things, I'm going to come out the gate strong, so forgive me, Ashley. I love it. Go for but it. But I, um, as a woman of color, I didn't have uh, people of color in authority in my life right. uh, 20 years ago. And I don't think this is exclusively for people of color to have on their to-do list. This yeah. is for all of us. We need to have varied voices and varied experiences. Yep. So if I could go back for 20 years ago, I would have made that a priority. I would have sought it out, I, whether it's at a at a... A community meeting, um, maybe somebody, you know, some some sort of pastor in the community, any mm-hmm. anybody, honestly. It could have been a mama that I met at church, um, anybody that, even a local government leader, just, just go sit at her feet. I would have put myself at the feet of women of color. That is something I did not do um, until my, much, much later, unfortunately, sadly, sadly. Mm. Um, and that, I will tell you, though, that is something I am outrageously intentional about for my kids having mm. people of color and different ethnicities and cultures um, and, and specifically also immigrants in their lives as yes. well. Um, so that is one thing that I would have done because I cannot even imagine the robust wisdom and varied perspective I would have had on the world at an age where I was making life-changing decisions. Right. And that would have been really, really, really valuable. Yes, I love this. Well, I'll stick on that train because I had one that's really similar. I tried to think about these in the sense of like, what would I champion in myself 20 years ago? And then what things would I be like, red flag, freaking warning, get off the path, see, see what's really happening. So but one of mine was like, what would I champion? And that would be um, diversity. I think it's something I was lucky enough to be even in a small town mm-hmm. in North Carolina to have a diverse group of friends and um, diverse people in my lives. And, you know, even though the South where I'm from tends to be um, predominantly white and black, I just happened to have, you know, one of my mom's dearest friends, um, her family was Filipino. And so me and her daughter mm-hmm. hung out all the time. We were cheerleaders together, like just so many fun things. Her mom made all my prom dresses like I would design oh them gosh. and she would make them. And so, um, you know, and then that kind of transitioned into ministry for me because the the woman who led our church was a very strong black woman. Shana, if you're listening, I love you and I appreciate mm-hmm. you. And so di- diversity is something that I would champion in my relationships. So I agree with you, Tiffany. I think it's so it's mission critical. Yeah, and mission I think, critical. Yeah, and the older I get too, and now that we sort of live in the suburbs, I feel like I've had to really keep in touch um, in a way that I didn't have to do in the past, obviously living in more of the Los Angeles area or in New York. But I do think even, you know, you can live in a place that's richly diverse and still not have a diverse life. You know, people around you could think the exact same politically, Mm -hmm. or they could think, you know, they could all look the same, or they could be very judgmental or not judgmental. Like it's all the different things that we can kind of, we can get ourselves in an echo chamber. And I think that champion, if I was, you know, talking to my younger self, I would say you need to champion this in your life because there's going to come a time where you're going to be tempted to be in a digital echo chamber. And even if you're diverse, you can get stuck in a justice echo chamber where everybody's Mm -hmm. doing the same thing, talking to themselves and not reaching anybody. So nobody can get high and mighty about this. It's it's a reality um, that we can really get stuck in our own box and start to really ostracize others. So I I really like that too. That, That is definitely on my list. And then I think one of the things that I'd say run from is um, something my dear friend Catherine said to me. And when I was in my mid twenties and we were sitting in her car and I was thinking about making a massive life jump, I'm like, I need to quit this job. Like what's happening in my life is very bad. I got to figure some different things out. I'm not being valued, all these things. And she just looked at me and was like, Hey, Ashley, like, why do you give yourself away so cheaply? 
Mm, and it was such a powerful, rich question um, because I really was. I was underpaid and doing like 17 jobs on a ministry staff as, you know, a person in my early 20s and doing a lot of inappropriate asks because I just didn't know any better. I'd been a waitress for a very long time. I didn't have a degree. There's so there's so many things, not that not having a degree really matters in the world today because it doesn't, but I think it it informed what I thought I deserved because when I was coming up, getting a college degree was like the number one goal. And if you didn't do that, it meant that you needed to settle for X, Y, and Z. We don't live in yeah. that world anymore, thank God. That's right. Um, but I think that 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 idea of giving myself away so cheaply that's what i would run from um now i would encourage that 21 year old girl to to just like run from situations where the ask is too much where you're overworked underpaid no benefits no help where you're being used for your labor your skills like all the things i would run from that (laughs) yeah Uh, mine is adjacent to that i would say uh it's it's a two-parter i would say don't don't people please. I, I know you're diplomatic, young Tiffany. I know you have a heart to love people and serve people, but stop letting that be exploited. Right. <laughs> so very similar to yours. And yes. on top of that, you can people please all day long, people pleasers, and the people aren't going to be happy. Okay. That's exactly you right. can bend over backward and they're still yes. unhappy and they're it's never going to be enough. And they're unsatisfied. Yep. Now, adjacent to that, is have vernacular to describe your experiences. This is one of the things I really yeah, hone in on in Pray Tell. But there was things that shouldn't have been happening in my life in my 20s, in my work culture, in yeah. my faith community. And I didn't have the emotional awareness, the situational awareness to realize this is not okay. Right. And so I think vernacular to describe experiences. And that takes education, right? That takes education yes. um, that we often have to seek out. Nobody's going to hand that out because they can't exploit you if you know too much or if you're, yeah. or if you have some wisdom in that area of your life. So I would say understanding, uh, very similar to what you're saying, understanding what you're worth and have language to describe your experiences. Um, I recently gave a presentation to a group of therapists last week um, about purity culture and and my research behind it and how we can really address this and who upholds this in in secular culture today and mainstream culture. And one of the things I talked about and one of the things that they confirmed, especially in therapy, is until you name something, you can't handle it. Yes. So understanding the value of being able to have words to name what's happening in your life is outrageously valuable. And I wouldn't have been subject to some of the verbal or emotional or spiritual abuse that I'd been if I would have been able to name it because I knew something wasn't right, Ashley. But I didn't know what it was. Right. I didn't know what it was. Totally. So there's definitely room for education. And I hope that we're, I think... Um, where we are culturally, we're we're much more aware of toxic toxicity in the workplace and, and in our faith communities and our mm-hmm. social circles. But that that can that conversation can't stop. We got to keep having those conversations because, um, again, they're life altering, and the decisions I made or didn't make were heavily influenced by the culture I was in. Right. That's so good. I think about the book, Whole Brain Child, that really was so helpful in my parenting and also helped me a tremendous deal. But one of the phrases they have in there is called name it to tame it. And Mm. they talk about how even as, you know, as young as like a one-year-old can do this when something happens to them. And it's interesting because I see this in my daughter. Like if she falls and hits her head, she'll stand up and go, oh, and tap her head. And so I've tried to 
constantly affirm that in a way that I didn't know how to do with my oldest, but just being like, oh, did that hurt your head, baby? I'm so sorry that you fell and hit your head. So she'll have language for like, oh, this thing happened that hurt me. I don't really know what it was. Oh, I fell and hit my head on the wall because I want her as she grows to do exactly what you're talking about. It's like, oh, somebody said something today and that was very hurtful. Here's how it hurt. Here's why it hurt. And Mm -hmm. to have language is so incredibly powerful. I really love that. That is a life lesson. Okay, so go ahead. Wouldn't you agree that our culture and our experiences, they shape us so deeply of how we view ourselves? For sure. And if we, just like you're saying with her, like without that understanding and that knowledge and that vernacular that even now you're teaching her, to be able to process the in the moment experiences, that is outrageously valuable. Y'all, we're never too late to start doing that. Never too late. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. Um, 100%. And it isn't too late. You know, I've seen... Tiffany, you've worked in ministry a long time too, but you've seen women who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s open up about, you know, a difficult childbirth experience or a difficult something that happened in their childhood. It's like, yeah, you can get language at any stage in your life to be able to overcome the hurts that you have in your life. It's really powerful. Um, Okay. One thing I would champion 20 years ago is I would champion the recovery efforts that I started. I still Mm. do this today. And so that's what I would just, I would just give like a thumbs up, like you're on the right track. Keep going to recovery meetings, keep learning about emotions, keep learning about souls, keep learning about the stuff that's inside of you, keep facing down the context of your life, keep dealing in reality, keep hope alive. Like I just would champion recovery. And I would also say to that young person, don't make any excuses because the reality is, is, and I think this is something that's getting lost in our world today. And I know I sound like, you know, well, in my day, I used to walk 10 (laughs) feet in the snow on seven miles to school. You know, like I know I sound a little bit like that, but it is something that's getting lost when I think about how people make excuses to stay the way that they are. And I'm one to for real process trauma and pain. So like, I actually know that journey really well. I'm not telling anybody to just get over nothing. Like you got to take the time that it takes to get well. You got to take the time that it takes to recover, but you cannot sit down forever and be like, well, that's just the way it is. And I'm on my process and just stay there and lack integrity and not build your character and not persevere. Like don't make excuses. And again, if you are in a place listening to this and you're like, Ashley, I'm hanging on for dear life. I got a thread of grace. I don't even know how I'm putting my feet on the floor every morning. I'm not talking to you. (laughs) You know, like Mm. you be where you are. Mm-hmm. Put your feet on the floor every day. If that's your best, that's your best. But I do think there does come a time in our recovery where we have to say, I, all these things have happened to me and I have made all of these mistakes and I own them and I'm responsible for them. And now I'm going to find a way forward. I'm going to find a way to change. I'm going to find a way to get in community with others who will love me and help me learn how loved I am. Like it's important that we champion recovery and and that we um, don't make excuses and the other thing is like in in championing recovery what's important here is that recovery has a stigma and so you can assume like oh recovery is for people who are you know really messed up (laughs) and i'm like well recovery is for everyone are you addicted to your iphone are you addicted to people pleasing are you addicted to people's Mm -hmm. approval are you enmeshed in a bunch of your relationships like okay well then recovery is for you it's not just for addicts you know so i think it's really important that we all and i think we're learning to do this especially with covid because everybody's really that's brought mental health issues to the to the to surface in full view in a way that we haven't seen before 
perhaps. And I think that's a really good thing for us because, you know, step one of recovery is coming out of denial. So the more that you deny and push down and don't acknowledge reality, the longer you're going to stay the way you are. So you have to face it down. And um, recovery is something I would look back at myself and go, keep going. It's hard as hell, but you're mm-hmm. going to make it and it's going to be okay. And 20 years down the track, you're going to be sober still. And I think that uh, that deserves a thumbs up. Yes. And amen. Oh, I love that one. My next one is don't assume everyone agrees with you. <laughs> yeah. Bam. No, bam. You know what? And Listen. I, I Especially if they're if, not talking. Don't assume nothing. Yo, girl. What? <laughs> that is the truth right there. Listen. I think for me. And I, I want to I wanna say specifically to those who call themselves followers of Jesus. I, wanna re- I want you to really listen up on this one. Mm-hmm. I had some basic assumptions about the body of Christ that we all valued each other the same way, that mm. we all, there were some core values that we did not disagree on and how wrong I was. Mm. <laughs> and over the course of those 20 years, I discovered this is not the case. And right. so I think I, um, I love the bride, but the bride is a messy girl and yep. she don't, she, she don't always, she don't always have, she don't always come to the table in a way that values everybody um, and their dignity and their worth. And that has been, the shock of my adult life is mm. finding out that there wasn't these basic shared values that I assumed, whether it be on racial justice or violence or the value of women. Um, I was sheltered enough to believe that we all had this baseline value. And I think um, I, I, I can't name a, a evangelical who hasn't gone through a reckoning in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we, we could trace it back to 20, 30, even maybe in the last 60 years of where we might have gotten to where we are today. However, in my own life in the past 20 years, I, I would have gone back and I would have been like, okay, we need to, again, maybe this goes back to the vernacular and the language, but being specific about what we value. Because, I mean, there's assumptions if you're in a multicultural church that that's a value and that might not actually be true. There's assumptions if you're in a space where, oh, we all value X and that might not be the case. And you might be in a place where you have are, are, are building relationships based on assumptions and not vulnerability and not authentic connection. Yep. I love that girl. I love it. I can't tell you how many times in the last six years, especially somebody has started in on their beliefs about something and I have to just like cut them off and be like, Hey, I don't actually share that. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's right. So I think that you are, you are a spot on there. And also that is so arrogant. It is Mm. so arrogant to be like, I'm just going to assume you believe what I believe. So I'm just start, going to start popping off about whatever this thing is, whether it's politics mm-hmm. or religion or race or whatever, and just assume that the other person is going to be like, hey, it was a good idea for you to start this conversation, you know? Yeah. And I, I love what you <laughs> mentioned too, Tiffany, because I do think, you know, it it's a lot harder probably for people coming up in the faith right now than it was for us. But we, yeah. I think, you know, in the early 2000s, especially, that's when I started attending church. You have a, a way longer history. Um, but there was very much like this sort of, victory, triumphant, like yep. everything's yep. fine. Everything's awesome. We're journeying forward, like onward Christian soldier, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I think because of that, there wasn't a lot of room to um, judge fruit. You know, the Bible does say don't judge mm-hmm. no hearts, but nobody taught us how to, how to discern fruit and go, you know what? There's not a lot of patience here. There's no self-control. There's no kindness there. There certainly is no gentleness. You know, I think that, yeah. You know, we have to teach people and learn ourselves what it means to discern 
the fruit of the Holy Spirit and to judge that fruit of the Holy Spirit. So you can figure out is what I think is happening here is my, my generous nature allowing for more things to be here that shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's real. I think it's, it's more, I think that's also a gendered thing. It's more Mm -hmm. real for women than men to be less Because we come to it with this unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. I'm going to have a generous unto the Lord. Yes. And I think even in our assumptions, we can think the best, we we give them the benefit of the doubt when maybe they don't deserve it, Ashley. Uh, 100%. I mean, I used to. I don't be doing that. No mo. I'm like, everybody's suspect. That's how I live my life now. I'm sorry, Mm. y'all. And it's, it's, (laughs) you do it in a healthy way. People, she really is healthy. I do. I believe Um, in people. (laughs) Truly. Uh, But I think that someone like myself where, if I'm living off assumptions, I will likely subconsciously contort myself to make others feel good mm. or be at peace in my presence rather than putting that energy into my own development and to mm. what God has for me and, and, and my full becoming. Right. That's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's very insightful. Uh, s- switching gears. This is a little lighter. Um, one thing I would tell myself for 20 years ago is read fiction. Right. I read, yes, no, I didn't amen. read one fiction book in my 20s. Not no one way. Ashley Abercrombie. You're kidding. Not one. Wow. Not one. I'm stunned. One. Like, I'm actually I stunned. I read a ton as a child. Wow. Uh, a ton in high school, uh, but not in my 20s. No, I think I <laughs> I took everything way too seriously. I'm like, if yeah. I'm not learning, um, I don't want it. Like, I was reading way too, much, I... way too much John Maxwell. Guys, I was a whole, I was a whole thing. I mean, Ashley knew me in my 20s. Anyway. Also, my point the to the three story. on the Enneagram. Yeah, girl. It's don't three you think that's part it of it? Honestly, because you guys are such yeah. learners and developers. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a thing that is, it's also so life-giving. It makes sense to me. Uh, if I'm not learning something new, I'm right. restless. Yeah. I'm restless. Yeah. I really am. Um, so I would say fiction. Fiction has been one of the biggest gifts to me, especially, I would say, yeah, in the last five years. And there's too much goodness. There's so much about life that we can learn and just getting swallowed up in another story. Yeah. And it's just, it's too good. It's what I look forward to most if I have time to myself mm-hmm. in this season of my life is to read fiction. Yes. And it's just, it's just juicy. Fiction is, is juicy. It's just, it it's is. a treat. It's If you go and treat yourself, yes. go read some fiction. I'm 100% on board with that. Yes and amen. (laughs) Okay, so another thing I would champion if I was looking back at myself is um, friends. You know, friends are a lifeline. I think that um, I was lucky enough to understand the value of this from a very young age. In fact, I just was talking to my husband on the car ride um, to home last night and I said, gosh, babe, our son is a year older than when I met my best friend. And like, we are still best friends to this day. Like we still Mm. are in touch on a regular basis. We see each other every time we can. And just thinking about like, oh, and then I met my, my other best friend in the fifth grade and we're still really close to this day. And just thinking about what it looks like, you know, as a child to have friends. And, you know, that isn't the case for everybody who's been in my life. But I think that friends have really helped me see God in a way that I couldn't before. And friends have really helped me um, stretch all of my muscles when it comes to um, being present with people and not trying to fix them or change them um, or judge them or make them 
conform to something I want them to be. I think friends really taught me that living with others, having roommates, you know, being really close to people before I got married and being able to, you know, sleep over and do Christmases together Mm -hmm. and hang out for holidays. I think all of those things um, were worth every single effort. And so many of those friends along the way are I'm still so close to today. And I think making the investment in friendship, even when it's hard, it really helps now when I have less time and less energy and less capacity to build new friendships or be around new people. And I certainly am figuring out friendships after COVID like the rest of the world. And I don't have it. I don't have all the answers. But what I do know is that I am living off all that investment I made in my early years. And so I would, you know, that's another like, hey, this is a thumbs up. Don't don't mess this up. Stay close to your people. Have them in your Mm -hmm. home. Go to their house. Learn learn about their parents. Learn about, you know, go be with their family members. Ask them questions about their life. Show up if somebody dies. Like just all the things that friends do. I think that's what I would I'd give a thumbs up on to myself at 21. Oh, I love that. Um, I was thinking of something similar, different angle of just understanding that friends uh, are sometimes for a season. Some friends are situational. Some friends, um, you see them at the gym or you see them at a community group or you see them at a where you volunteer, whatever the case may be, or at pick up with your kids. And it's okay. There's there's these acquaintances that are sweet to have. And then there's the close friends. And it's so wise to invest in those two or three because, like, I I really, really want to zone in on what you just said that I think is so valuable is most of us have less availability. So we are hoping to call on the people where there already is shared history and there is some investment already in the bank where we can, you know, make a withdrawal as we've made deposits over the years and and transition that into a new space. Because I don't know anyone who just has a ton of time right now. And so being able to just cherish those ones. And I think also... Um, understanding that that's okay. That's okay that some um, some friends are for a season, some friends are for a lifetime, some, some friends are for a season. I think I am so deeply relational yeah. that I, again, the people pleasing, like, oh, I just, I just want everybody, are we all okay with each other, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's okay. There's necessary endings. And I think if you would have told me 20 years ago that there's going to be some necessary endings, I'd have been like, nah, this is great. Yeah. But to be okay when things end, um, just to just the, the opposite side of that, because I'm with you. Like I am just more than ever at the, in this season of life, I am treasuring the friendships that have been there for 20 years. Like they are like, it's like a warm sweater. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just such a blessing. Um, and being able just that shared history is just so, 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 so sweet, especially as the world has changed. Absolutely. Um, cause a lot of us have lost a lot in the last, especially the last two and a half years. So, yep. I would say being okay that there's necessary endings and that's okay. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean you're a failure at, at relationships. That's right. It means that life happens. Come on. And and there's Bam. something to learn from it though too. Like yep. be reflective, be, see where maybe you have gone off course and be okay where there's just, there isn't that shared chemistry anymore and, yeah. and bless each other and move on. Yes. I love everything about that. I was reading Ecclesiastes today because I got stuck on the um, the Bible project. I love their YouTube videos and um, I don't enjoy reading right now. It's just like I listen to audible books. I am reading one fiction book, but um, I, I'm fi- finding myself being more auditory and visual. So I was watching the Bible project on the wisdom books and I watched a video on 
Proverbs and one on Ecclesiastes and one on Job. And I was reading in Ecclesiastes where it talks about time and chance happens to us all. And I feel like I'm at this place right now in my life where I'm like, yeah, you can be the wisest person ever and have a crappy life. You can Mm -hmm. love Jesus wholeheartedly and end up like Job. You can, you know, like life happens to us all. And so I love that you said that because I think that if you don't grasp that concept, like perpetual disappointment is your portion and your expectations for God to do something for you because you followed the formula or you did certain things or you sowed the certain way you expect to reap a certain way. And it's, it's just not how faith works. It's not how community works, not how friendship works. Like it's not how relationships work because life happens. And I, I really think that is a really powerful concept that you shared and can be life changing when you get it. And it, it involves an insane amount of grace because suddenly you start to see people through their context and you really start to understand that they can't arrive for you or they can or that they're going through difficult things and maybe you should back off a little or maybe you should press in and challenge them like you start to see grace move in your Mm -hmm. relationships because you have better understanding and understanding is what draws us close and i just i think that's a really beautiful thing you shared um my final one in line with this it's different but cousins how about that is um say no that's what i would tell myself say no say no to bad jobs say no to bad pay say no to bad dudes um say no to you know grace when people really need a healthy dose of truth Mm -hmm. uh you know just just say no and go with your gut like i think um if i had followed my gut more in my 20s and if i had really listened to those um, urgent body sensations and urgent mm-hmm. sort of pressings and unctions that I had, I think that I would have avoided successfully some, some situations I wouldn't have been in, Come on, you know, prior to even really following Jesus wholeheartedly. So I don't think I fully understand. I, I thought in this life transformation of becoming a new creation in Christ, that that meant that I should shed that like ruthless part of myself. Mm, and ooh, I think it's, that's interesting. Yeah. And it's only in, yeah, I would say in my mid thirties, maybe early to mid thirties, I really like returned to that ruthless side of myself. And it's fun to watch like people like my brother or my mom or friends that I grew up with see that return in me. Um, oh, I really appreciate it because I think that it's, it's a God given thing. It's, it's wisdom. It's discernment. Like God yeah. gives you this thing in your gut that tells you when things are off. Will it be wrong sometimes? Perhaps. Yes. But I think it's, it's important that we sort of have this ruthless sense of guarding over ourselves. I'm not talking about barriers. I'm talking about appropriate boundaries. Right. <laughs> you know? That's right. And I, I think that's what I would tell myself. Girl, say, you no. know, it, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to share what a blessing you living your life like that this morning y'all i sent her a happy birthday video and i I shared this is basically what i what i love about you most is this what you're talking about right now that ruthless nature i don't have i don't know anyone who has come to the place in their life where they have owned it and seen its beauty and goodness and not apologized for who they are and the gift that it is not only the gift to themselves but to their family and to their community and i just it's one of my favorite things about you your ruthlessness and just the way you approach life it is so refreshing i can't even y'all this is who she is in the in the real 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 and so i just want to echo that that it is i know that's hard earned for you Mm -hmm. and i know you've been in spaces where that wasn't celebrated as wisdom and so to see it to see you recognize it as wisdom and not apologize yeah again dare i overuse this it's liberating it is absolutely liberating 
So, oh, so good. (laughs) Well, y'all, this has been just such a treat to share with you um, and vulnerably share some of the areas where um, where we know that it would have been a game changer and these aren't too late to apply. And I know as we shared, so many things came to your mind. So many experiences. You were shaking your head. You were nodding. You're being like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we know it. We know it. Why? Because you always tell us. So <laughs> um, we love you. We're here for yes. you. And we thank you for coming along on this Why Though journey. And if this is a blessing, would you share this with a friend? Yeah. You know, Ashley, we haven't asked for this in a while, but if Why Though is a blessing to you, Will you leave a review Please. on Apple Podcasts? That yes. would bless us. Yes, it that would. Is, that, is, that really, really goes the distance for us. It helps others truly find the show. And we are, we've got a large table, so yeah, we don't got no right. fences. We've got tables on we tables do. on tables. You know ashley has got like 12 charcuterie boards. So I do. Good. I really do. She could feed us. I could. You know, I, I could one, feed all of it's, it's Me and Tiffany Small but both. mighty. Small but mighty. <laughs> we love all right, you guys. y'all. We'll love see you next, see next week. week. Bye. Hey listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.